we're going to get right in. I'm going to close out this uh, sermon series that I've been with you guys on for uh, the last three weeks that, that I've spoken to you about on this stand. And we've looked in the, the, um, the book of Daniel. We really kind of picked it apart and tore it apart a little bit here and there. But um, we're going to get right back into it this morning in the book of Daniel. But we're, we're not going chronologically now. We're going to jump backwards here to Daniel chapter 3. And uh, I want you to understand that the reality of where we all live right now, for a lot of us, unfortunately, is that maybe you're going through a really difficult storm or a really difficult time. Um, I don't say that in a loose manner either. I say that in really of all importance because what your storm is to you and what your difficulty that you're going through in your life right now is very important. Let me say that again. It is very important to you. You know, we've all been probably um, guilty of this when somebody brings something of importance to us, uh, a need of, of great importance, and, and we come and we go, you know, hey, would you pray with me about this? This is what's going on in my life right now. I, I really need some direction. And, and this is, or, or you know what, this is what's happening. There's a huge storm in my family. Uh, this or that's happening. My marriage, my relationships, my job, my family. You know, I'm big on all of that. And Sometimes we, we're guilty of when somebody brings it to us, it kind of goes in one ear and right out the other. I mean, think about this for a moment. How many times have you said, and please don't raise your hand, but how many times have you said, you know what, I'll remember that in prayer, and it kind of just gets forgotten, right? I think we've all probably been there. I want you to understand of all most importance that some of you are going through a really dif difficult time right now, and I want you to know that we as your church care about you and that we love you and that we take these needs that are brought to us. And when we say, you know what, we're going to pray about that, guess what? We really do pray about it. We really do take the time to, to minister to one another, to follow up with a phone call, hey, how you doing, things like that. I believe that scripture clearly dictates that we are to have that type of attitude and have that type of relationship toward one another. But, you know, there's sometimes that we go through life and we go through these difficulties and we go through these storms and, and we think to ourselves, but you know, God, and let's face it, we've all been here and we've all done exactly what I'm about to say. You know, God, I'm a Christ follower. Why do you just continually allow this mess to happen in my life? I'm doing everything I can to live for you and to serve for you. I'm doing everything I can to to get into your word every day. And I'm doing everything I can to spend time in prayer with you, God. I'm, I'm doing everything I can to give, as your scripture tells us, through our giftings, tithings, offerings. I'm, I'm trying to give my time, but things still continue to pop up. And oftentimes we'll take on the attitude of, God, that should not happen to me. That should not happen to us. There's a scripture I'm going to throw at you real quick. It's not going to come on the screen, so forgive me here. But it comes from John chapter 16, verse 33. And these are the words of Christ. It says, in this world. Now, here's, I've got to stop there for a second. All right? I, I need you to understand something. It says, in this world. That means where we're presently living. You're going to understand as we read the remainder of the scripture what I'm, why I'm pointing this out and making a specific notation on this. But it says in this world, that means right now, where you are at, and watch this, in the future 
of where you're going to be until your time of death or when Christ comes, come quickly, Lord Jesus, right? In this world, and it goes on to say, you will have what? Trouble. In this world, Jesus says, you will have trouble, but take heart for I have done something. I have what? I have overcome the world. So we can understand that in this world that we're living in right now, we're gonna have problems. We're gonna have to, look, you're gonna get results, test results that you're not gonna like physically. There's gonna be relationships that are gonna bust apart and it's gonna destroy you or you think it's destroying you. There's gonna be times where there's gonna be jobs that are gonna be lost. There's gonna be moments of famine financially in your life. But what you need to understand that those troubles are only what? In this world. Because Jesus has done what? Overcome this world to give us an eternal home where you can be encouraged that none of those things will no longer be. Now, I'm not sure about you, but for me, I know a lot of you might be battling one fire or another in your life. Like I said, it could be a relation, relational fire, something going on, a financial, a job. Look, it could be just your worry work. You're anxious about everything. You're scared about the future. You don't know what to think. You look at everything that's happening around in the news today and you see the storms and you see the, the, the earthquakes and you see the financial crisis and you see uh, the, the trouble within our government and it just seems to never end. Well, let me tell you something. Guess what? It's not going to. I hate to break it off to you like that. It's not going to until when? The day of the Lord comes. But what we need to understand is that that doesn't help us specifically right now, though. Because what you're dealing with right now is of utmost importance in your life. The fire that you're going through right now, you're looking at it and you're going, how in the world are we going to get through this? How in the world can I stand firm in the fire? How in the world can I continue on as I know I'm supposed to continue on, but yet, Pastor Kevin, you don't realize everything that seems to be coming against me. Believe me, I do. I know what it's like to be in a fire where it feels like everything is crowding in on you. I know what it's like to stand there or to sit there just where you're at and it feels like the very breath has been taken out of you and you're being suffocated by the issues that you're going through in life. I know what it's like to feel the emotional and the mental anguish that some of you go through through relationships that have been busted up or hurt. I know what it's like that you look at your family and you go, are, this, are they ever going to come to a knowledge of Christ and to the relationship of Christ? I understand that. But yet, you need to understand this. Regardless of the weight of the problems that you have going on in your life, we must stand firm in the fire that we're facing. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7 says this. These trials... That's whatever you're going through right now. That's whatever's taking up your prayer time. That's whatever's taking up your conversations with your spouse. That's whatever's taking, watch this. That's whatever's taking up within your conversations while you're standing in the shower. All right? Or you're on your way to work by yourself in the car. That's whatever's going through your mind. It says these trials will show that your faith is, I love this. And this has been like, my word for quite some time, genuine. What does that mean? These, these trials, they're, they're authentic. That your faith is authentic. That you're not believing because you feel 
pressured to believe. Have you ever believed in something because somebody or some things or some people made you feel like you had to believe? Right? That's not the faith that has been speaking here. It says these trials will show that your faith is genuine. That your faith is real. That is not a counterfeit of your spouse. Or it's not a counterfeit of your pastor. Because if you're, if you're relying on my faith, then you're relying on the wrong one. I'll tell you that right now. But a genuine faith that you have with Jesus Christ. It says these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring what? Much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to who? The whole world. Peter said this, these trials will what? Reveal your faith. It will show that your faith is genuine. So thinking of that and the trials that you're going through, you need to understand this. You, are going to, you need to understand that you need to have a faith that is tested is a faith that can be trusted. A faith that is tested is a faith that can be trusted. What does that mean? Let me, let me, let me clarify that to you. It, it's kind of like me standing here today and saying, if you're having marital difficulties, I'm going to be very honest with you, very open here for a moment. If you're having marital difficulties, and if I never went through a marital difficulty, and I were to tell you, don't worry, we're going to stand firm, and everything's going to be fine, and you're going to make it through this, and maybe it's a busted relationship, stand strong, you're going to make it through this, but yet I never went through that difficulty. That would seem ungenuine. I can tell you it's genuine. If, you've, if I stood here this morning and said, you know, I understand you're questioning your call. I understand maybe you're questioning your role in this life and what God has planned for you. I know the problems that you're going through are real, and, but this storm too will pass. If I stood here this morning and said those words to you, but never experienced it in my own life, it would not be a genuine presentation of the message that God is trying to reach to us today. Because I can stand here 100% and tell you there have been many times where I have woken up in the middle of the night questioning my call to continue to do what I do. Questioning as to whether or not God wants to use me. Many times. So when the scripture tells us that our faith needs to be genuine and we see this first point a faith that's tested is a faith that can be trusted you can understand this that the words that are going to come to you through these scriptures today and through the examples that are going to be given to you today are the very things that I have even gone through in my own life because I want this to be genuine and authentic to you a faith that is tested is a faith that can be trusted we're going to look at the faith of three young men today in the scriptures that we're about to get into in Daniel chapter 3. Probably right around somewhere between the ages of 14 and 15. And if you were here in the earlier weeks, we talked about 
King Nebuchadnezzar. And I mean, the guy was bad and he was trying to erase God's people. He was trying to retrain them. He was trying to get rid of, you know, he got rid of the temple. He was trying to get rid of the, uh, the, the, um, the, the, uh, just left my mind. The things in the temple that represented who God was to them. And, and all, this guy was bad. In fact, we read as he, he erected a statue of himself. I think it was somewhere of 90 feet in the air. And the instructions were given that every leader, every magistrate, every person, every priest was to bow down to this statue. We're going to get right in Daniel chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. It says this, When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and the other musical instruments. He tells us this, that they are to bow down to the ground and worship King Nebuchadnezzar's, what? Golden statue. He says, verse 6, anyone, regardless of title, anyone, regardless of who they were, regardless of their positioning, regardless of their reputation, it clearly says, anyone, who refuses to obey will, will, will be what? Immediately thrown into the blazing fire or into the blazing furnace. Anyone who does not obey. Now, if you read verses 12 through 15, which we're not going to get into, you're going to see that everyone was bowing. Everyone was bowing low except for three people. Because why? A faith that is tested is a faith that can be trusted. How many, let me ask you this question here. How many of you could say in the last 14 days, let's say three weeks, extended to 21 days, would say that you have gone through a difficult season or a difficult fire in your life? Just seriously, let me see. Look around, that's a lot of people. That's three quarters of our congregation and several of you lied because you didn't raise it at your hand up. So you're going through one right now. We have three teenage boys who are facing what looks to be a pretty bad day. Three teenage boys are going to be facing a really rough time. It appears to be. There's so many qualities within our faith that we are facing seasons of trial or we're facing uh, today's purpose, the fire. I believe in my heart that if you're here listening to me this morning, that this message on purpose, I believe that God is going to speak to each one of us, specifically as to why would God allow us to experience some of the challenges that we're experiencing? Have you ever asked yourself that or wondered that? Why is God allowing me to go through these things? Why is God allowing me to go through these difficulties? Why? I think we've all been there. We've all wanted to scream it out. Maybe you have. Why? Why, God, are you testing my faith right now? Why, God, are you allowing me to go through this difficulty? Why is this fire seems so hot right now in my life? We're going to look at three qualities of faith this morning. We're going to talk about, and the first one is this. Faith obeys God instead of following man. Faith obeys God instead of following man. Think about this. Everyone else was bowing. But these three boys are standing. 
The scripture says in verse 16 that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him. Him meaning the king. When they were approached as to why they are not bowing. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king. This is gutsy. He says, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to what? Defend ourselves before you in this manner. In other words, they are confident. They are determined. They know what is right. And they're not going to waver one moment. Faith obeys God instead of following man. You see, they didn't have to pray about it, did they? No. They didn't have to rationalize between one another. They did not, they didn't, you know, they didn't need to come together and say, well, what are we going to do here? I believe, the scripture doesn't tell me, but I believe in that moment, they didn't even look at one another. The moment it happened, they stood firm. Because why? They were predetermined. They already made a decision that they were not going to waver in their faith, that they were not going to do what was wrong in the eyes of God. You have three young men who in some aspects should have been very immature, but were showing such a maturity, not only physically, but spiritually. I kind of think to myself, well, how does that relate to you and I? How does that relate to us in our everyday life when we're faced with uh, moments of compromise or moments where we can rationalize that, well, we can do it this way or we could do it that way, but you know, we, we kind of get away from what God wants us to do. How do we respond in moments like this in our own life? Do we take the easy way and bow down? Or do we take the firm way and stand firm in our relationship and our belief with God? You see, you could look at it. They didn't have to pray about it. They didn't have to think about it. Watch it. They didn't even have to fast about it. They had one determined plan, and the plan was this, to be obedient to God regardless. Regardless of what the outcome was going to be, and they knew what it was, regardless, period, they were going to be obedient to God. Now, I think it would be easy for them to rationalize uh, a, a sense of a compromise. I mean, you could look at it this way. Well, everyone else is bowing, so we'll bow too, but God knows my heart. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody and they actually said something like that to you? I have as a pastor. You know what I want to do? Just, are you serious? Are, are, are you really that just dickheaded? They could have just sat there and said, well, everyone else is doing it, so I'm going to do it. But you know what? I'm only doing it so I don't die. And I'll just ask for forgiveness later. Or you know what? They could have went the route of, well, surely God's not going to allow us to die because we're like the last of the remnant here. And if we die, then who's going to carry on the message? So we'll bow down because we're going to challenge God in this moment. Have you ever challenged God? You lose, don't you? You lose bad. They could have took on that type of an attitude, an attitude that many of us take on in our lives where we're faced with a moment of compromise or an opportunity to compromise. And what do we do? Often we do it. And then we always end up looking back and you have that what? That next morning full of guilt, shame, filth. That it's even hard for you to what? Get back into God's word because you're so ashamed 
of what you've done. And so now that decision has not only affected what you did in that moment, not only has it affected how other people around you are watching you as a Christ follower, but now it's affecting you the next day and you know what you do? Oh, we'll push it aside until I feel better about getting into God's word. I love a scripture here. It says this, Romans chapter six, verses one through two. Sorry, guys, didn't give that to you either. This came to me quickly this morning. It says this, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Some of you Wednesday nighters at the Bible study will, this should sound familiar. If you don't come to Wednesdays, you should. Thank you, thank you. Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? I'm going to say this scripture again without pausing this time. Well then, should we keep on sinning? The words of Paul. Listen to this. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? In other words, Paul's saying this. Are we supposed to keep sinning so God can just keep giving us grace and grace and grace? Of course not, he says. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Watch this. Sin is no longer your boss. You have more power over your sin. Sin does not control you. Sin does not dictate your decision. Who does? You do. These boys in that moment, these young men rather in that moment, could have rationalized, could have compromised so easily. And chances are it could have been overlooked even. But what did they choose to do? Stand firm. They stood firm. They understood that sin is not their boss. Romans chapter 6 tells us that you are more. You are in control of this. Sin no longer controls you if you are a Christ follower. It has no bearing on your life. It has no grip on you. The only grip you have is the grip of God's miraculous and loving grace. So sin is no longer our boss, but our life belongs to God. We, these young men in that moment, decide that, you know what? Above everything else, we will honor and we are going to obey God. We will not follow everyone else's doing. We will not follow the direction that everyone else is going to go in, but we're going to stand firm in this moment. I, I believe this wholeheartedly that if we are truly trying to follow after God's call in our lives, that Satan, your spiritual enemy, is going to give you ample opportunity. He's going to give you all the opportunity in this world to compromise what you know to be true and what you know to be his purpose for you. Understanding this, that the moment we begin to rationalize our sin. We should recognize that we are not facing the sin, but we're facing the spiritual principalities that are trying to destroy us. Okay, you're confusing me, Pastor Kevin. Watch this. Your sin is not your problem. Your sin is not your enemy. The enemy is Satan himself who's trying to destroy everything that God is trying to build up 
and to work in you. So you're not, you're not facing your sin. You're not facing the drug issue. You're not facing the alcoholism. You're not facing the adultery. You're not facing these things. You're not facing the poor decisions financially. Those aren't the problem. The problem is the one who's trying to get you to fall into them. So once we recognize, once we recognize when we're going through these difficulties that look, the problem isn't the cursing, the lying, the stealing, the cheating, the infidelity, all of these things, but the problem resides in the one who's giving us the temptation. You should take on an attitude like, no, this ain't happening. You should take on an attitude, you know what, saying you have ruined my life one too many times. You've tried to come into my life to disturb my family one too many times, and I'm not going to allow that to happen anymore. You should take on the attitude, no, you're not going to determine my decisions financially in my home. My, the needs will be met. God will provide. I'm not going to squander away the provision of what you have given me. You should take on an attitude when, when, when you see your children and, and maybe they're not following Christ and instead of you becoming so disheartened about it, oh no, 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 no. I'm not going to be disheartened anymore. In fact, I'm getting angry about it and I'm going to take this into prayer and fasting now. You should take on an attitude of, you know what? I'm stronger than you. I have more in me than you have in you, Satan. There's nothing that you can do to destroy my life. I'm going to stand firm in the message of God. It is time. I'm, just, I'm, I'm slightly just, just angered for a moment because I get sick and tired, even in my own life, of looking at the temptation and the sin that comes at me and allowing it to whip me. I'm tired of the enemy coming into my home and trying to bring division. I'm tired of the enemy trying to come into my church and split it apart. I'm tired of the enemy. I'm tired of the enemy having his way in my life and in your life. It is time that we take on. What is the word of God tells us? That you are more than a conqueror. More than a conqueror. To take what? what? Take up the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit. Take on these things. Understand that you're living a life of a spiritual warfare. That the enemy is trying to attack you in every way that he can. These young men saw that. They didn't have to look at one another and have a powwow. What are we going to do in this moment? They didn't have to go on social media and say, oh, what should we do here? What a bummer service was today. We don't have to take on those attitudes. We take on the attitude, I'm going to stand firm. I'm going to stand firm in my belief. I'm going to stand firm in my relationship. I'm going to stand firm in the truth of what God gives me. And no matter what attack comes my way, I know in whom I serve. I know who's going to lead me, who's guiding me. I know who's directing my every thought and my every word that comes from my mouth. I know who has my future and in the palm of his hand. I know who's directing me in every aspect. And so I'm now going to take on an attitude of, you know what? It's not the sin that's the problem. It's the principalities that are trying to ruin my life. It's Satan himself that's trying to creep in and take control. So for your truly a Christ follower, if you are truly trying to follow after God's call for your life, 
you understand that Satan is going to take every opportunity, every opportunity to ruin that. But we're not to listen. We're going to take our faith and we're going to focus on the audience of one. And that one is God himself. And then the second thing we're going to look at here is this. Faith obeys in spite of what it sees. Faith obeys in spite of what it sees. I I know what some of you were thinking while I was going through that. Yeah, but Pastor, you don't know exactly what I'm going through. You don't know the struggle that I'm facing. You don't know what the result's going to be. I get that. I understand. Watch this. Daniel 3, verse 17. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is what? Is able. The The God whom we serve is able to what? Save us. And he will do what? He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. There's confidence here. There's confidence coming out. You need to become confident. You need to become confident in who is inside of you. It's not you doing it. It's God doing it. You need to become confident, just as these young men were. They were confident in whom they serve. No matter what I see, I believe that not only is my God all-powerful, but I believe that my God is willing to do what? Save me. There's a big difference between God just being able to do something in my life and God wanting to do something in my life. Think about this. We trust God. I hope you do. I hope that you have your trust and your faith in God. But our faith has to rise in those situations. And you believe with everything in you that what? My God is not only able to heal, but watch this. But I believe my God is willing to heal. What he actually does, okay, what he actually does, that's up to him. But what is our responsibility is to fulfill the purpose. What our responsibility is to do the right things, to have the correct actions. Think about it this way. There's a lot of doubt in this room right now. I think that we are all so often lured into the thought that the things that we allow ourselves to think and the things that we allow ourselves to pray and the things that we allow the circumstances around us to define, that God is not confined to the things that I see. Know that. God is not confined to your problems. You might feel like you're imprisoned to your fire and to your situation. But understand, God is not. What does that mean? God is bigger. God is all-knowing. God is more powerful. God God will and can step in at any moment to change the outcome of what you think it could be to the outcome of what he wants it to be in your life. See, these young men... What did they say? They said this, I love it. If we are thrown in a blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able. Think about that for a moment. What is your fire? What is your furnace this morning? What is your fire? What is your furnace? What is your struggle? What is your problem? Understand this. Take on the attitude of these young men. Whatever is going on, God is able to get me out of it. God is able to give, and I love it. 
Because he said, he will rescue us from your power, your majesty. You know, what if God doesn't do what we are believing him to do? What if we're believing God to heal someone and they die? What if we're believing God to to bring our kids back, like I said before, into the faith of Christ? And they seem to get sucked away further and further away from him into rebellion. What, what do we do then? Because I say that, and a lot of, a lot of times we kind of go away from that question and we talk about what we need to do, but let's be real here for a moment. We question those things a lot, but what if that doesn't happen? What if I don't get that healing? What if my child never, you know, in my lifetime comes to to Christ. Watch this. Faithful obedience, this brings us to point three. Faithful obedience is our responsibility. The outcome is God's. Faithful obedience is our responsibility, but the outcome is God's. Our job is to do what? Be obedient, to be faithful, and the rest is entirely up to him. Daniel 3 and 18 goes on to say, I believe that my God is able. I believe that my God is willing. But verse 18 says, but even if he doesn't. So, so you, you need to take on this attitude right here. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty. At least they're respectful, right? They go, your majesty. That we will never serve your gods or worship the God, the gold statue that you have set up. They take on the firm belief that regardless of what the outcome is, we're not even going to worry about the outcome. We're standing according to the purpose. We're standing according to principle. We're standing upon the word of God. We will not compromise regardless. Regardless, we will not compromise. It's super easy for us to listen to the story because we're so drawn away from the outcome. We know what it is. We're removed from it. We know what happens and how, you know, the king throws them, binds them up, takes his strongest men, takes them to the, to the uh, furnace. In fact, uh, it says that uh, they increased it seven times hotter than what it previously was and takes them there. Even the guys who were going to the furnace, what were they? They were killed. They throw them into the furnace We know the outcome of this story. Verse 24 says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he arose in haste and spoke to his counselors. Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered yes, and said, True, O king. Look, he answered, we see how many? Four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire. They are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like who? The son of God. The son of God. You know what I love about this here? And it, 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 I never saw this until I really got into this. But these young men, when they were thrown into the fire, watch this, they were bound. They were bound up. Their, their hands were bound. Their legs were bound. They were bound up. Watch, watch. Try have a mental picture here if you can, because this is a powerful moment right here. That as the men take these young men or these boys to the furnace, that is what, seven times hotter, to throw them in, 
to kill them, to get rid of them. The men that he takes, that takes them, dies. And as they're tossed in, these young men are there. And it says what? They're loosed. They're loosed. This is what's so cool. This is what's so awesome. Because see, the fire that you're going through, see, there was a fire that was there to destroy these young men. That was there to bring them harm. But you know what this fire actually did? Oh my goodness. What the enemy thought was going to destroy God's plan, God turned around to use it to loose them to fulfill God's plan. So the fire that you're going through, God's going to take whatever the struggle may be and he's going to flip this thing around, I promise you. And it's no longer going to be there to destroy what God is trying to work in your life, but to rather uplift God and to take you into fulfilling the purpose and the plan that he has. I love it when God uses the enemy's plan against himself. And that's exactly what he's doing here in this room this morning. He's taking what the enemy is trying to use to destroy you. And watch this. This is even more amazing. The king had to recognize, well, there's one in there that's not supposed to be there. There's one walking with you every day of your life through the fire and through the thick of the problems that you're going through. And the enemy's going, he's not supposed to be there. Every time he shows up, he ruins it. That's awesome. Every time. Check this out. Verse 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar said this. Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You can come up. Watch this. Watch this. I, I love this too because there's going to there's gonna be a day where it says every knee is going to bow down. And that means the very enemy that's trying to destroy what God's doing in my life and in your life is going to come to the place where he must bow down to the one true God. Amen. Stand with me this morning. Scripture went on to say that they trusted in him and defied the king's commands and were willing to give up their own lives rather than to serve or worship any God except their God. Watch this. When your faith is tested, that is a faith that can be trusted. I say it like this. I don't think the enemy is going to test your faith if you're no concern to him. I don't think the enemy is going to test your faith if he sees you as a weak link. I don't think he's gonna test your faith if he see, he's not gonna waste his time on you if you're not gonna do anything to help destroy his kingdom and build God's. So some of you, Tommy, you got a bad report this week, right? Your little girl. Don't let it, don't let it destroy what God's trying to do. Because that fire is going to loose what Satan's trying to bind you in. 
Watch this. Some of you in this room, you, you, you've been praying over that kid for a long time. And it's been weighing hard. It's been weighing heavy. And you know what Satan likes to do? He's, he's trying to bring it up in your mind. Oh, look, all these prayers, they're going nowhere. They mean nothing. You're wasting your time. Why? Because he knows that once that kid comes to Christ, woo, that's right. Once that kid comes to Christ, wow, is he in for a hurting. Or she, right? Powerful stuff's going to happen. You look at your finances and you've been stressing over it. You've been worried. You've been making bad decision after bad decision because the enemy's in your ear. Oh, you need this. You need this clothing. You need, you need, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I was, this week, I was on a cruise with my family, Disney Cruise, a great time. I had a wonderful time. Don't go to the gift shop. Because you can find stuff that you want that you really don't want. You don't need. And I found something, you can ask my wife, and I, I like threw it at her several, because we never make any big purchase without, take, take note of that, people. You find yourself in a problem if you do. And, and, and I was waiting for her to go, go ahead, go ahead. And she didn't. And then I was standing here today and I'm like, thank God. Thank God. The reason why Satan wants you bound up financially so bad is because he doesn't want you to be able to do for people. Simple. He's not worried about you going in bankruptcy. He's not worried about you going in and, and, and you being stressed over it. No, he wants to bind your finances and control it so that you can't help others. You know, some of you, you've been praying about a certain job that you've been wanting, that you've been, you know that God wants you in it. And sometimes we think God wants us in things because it betters us. Sometimes God sets up promises that, yeah, it's going to give you a betterment, but it's really so that you can impact people around you. And so what happens is we get negative and we start losing faith. And we've been praying and the, the, the door hasn't opened. And so we become frustrated over it and, and, and just kind of sick. And so we end up, you know, I'm not gonna pray about it no more. Well, guess what? The enemy won there because now you've given up. Your faith isn't tested any longer. It can't be trusted. And so the position that maybe God was gonna put you into that would maybe benefit you financially, yay, awesome. But the overall goal for God was so that you can impact more people's lives for God. What I'm skidding at there is don't give up. Because listen to this, the very things that you're going after and the promises that God is giving your way, they're not just for you. It's not all about you. It's about the people that you can interact with and impact their lives for Jesus Christ. You know, I believe this morning that there's a lot of fires all throughout this room. There's a lot of things that have been weighing heavy on our minds. I want you to understand something. God is gonna use the fire now for his working in your life for your benefit. Just as he did these young men. The very thing that was trying to destroy and to kill them was the very thing that set them free. So if that's you this morning, you can say, Pastor Kevin, I'm going through fire and I need that attitude to change today. I'm going to predetermine from this moment on, just as these young men, they didn't have to go to social media about it. 
They didn't have to call a friend or five of them. All right. They didn't have to ask their spouse. No, they made a decision. Boom. We're going to stand firm regardless. Our faith will not waver. If that's you this morning, you can say, Pastor Kevin, look, I'm going through the fire and I, I need my faith to be stronger and not waver. And I want it prayer. Raise your hand right now. Let me see it all over this room. Let's pray. God, you see every heart, every mind, every uplifted hand in this room. So today, Lord, our prayer is give us the faith that we need, the trust in you, Lord, that we need to stand firm. Today, God, we're pre-deciding the fires that we're going through, Lord. The things that are meant to destroy marriages, jobs, futures, finances, spiritual well-being, eternal life. <clears throat> All these things, God, that are trying to destroy us. Today, we release to you. We cast our cares to you, never to look at again. But Lord, we release them to you. And God, we ask in Jesus' name to take the very thing that's trying to destroy us, to release us in Jesus' name, to release us from the fire, release those things that are binding us, those chains that are keeping us in prison. Release, Lord, those things that are trying to take our thoughts in captivity. Release, Lord, those things that are controlling our words and our attitudes, Lord. Release those things, Lord, that are trying to ruin relationships, marriages, relationships with children. Releasing, God, all of this to you, Lord, and asking, God, that you, sir, do with it as you please. We're doing our part this morning. We're fulfilling our purpose. Now, God, we're asking you and we're giving the outcome into your hands. And Lord, we know, Lord, that you, according to your scripture, you work all things together for the good to those who love and trust and honor you. So, Lord, that's what we do today. We release it into you. And if you believe that, say amen. Amen and amen. So we love you guys. We're so glad you're here. I hope that you leave here today encouraged and knowing that God, regardless of the fire you're in, is with you. Amen. Hold on. I got to say this. Let the words of our mouth, meditation of our heart be acceptable in your strength. Oh, Lord, our God and Lord, bless the giftings, the tithings and the offerings to continue to build up your kingdom in Jesus name. And the church says, amen. amen. Love you.